Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. By the worship that we just had uh, about five minutes ago. That was so cool. You know what I loved about that was... So the beginning, Glorious Day, I could sing that song all day long. Um, I will not for you because you don't want to hear that. But it's that rock. It's, and then at the very end, we had just our voices, and God is honored. He loves both of that. He loves the big booming, and then he loves just the voices. I just, I love that. So, um, so yeah, that was last week's message. So let's move on to this week's message. To start, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back to my, my days as an undergrad student at Purdue University. We won't say how many years ago that was, um, but I still remember the day, my very first class. It was a Monday. I moved in like Friday to get acclimated and tour campus a little bit. And then Monday, 8.30 in the morning, I remember I walked into Lily Hall on the south end of Purdue campus, Still remember the room, 11.05. Well, I say, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's 11.05. It might've been 11.50, but I'm pretty sure it's 11.05. Lily Hall, room 11.05. And I walk into this room having no idea what to expect. I walk in, I open the doors, and I'm on like the ground floor. And over to the right is the blackboards. They're the kind, if you ever seen the ones that you can like move them up and down, they were, they were on the side. There was a little computer desk. The professor, I don't know if he was in there yet or not, but I walk in and then I looked up to my left and that's where all these seats were, like an auditorium seat. Um, it held between four and 500 people, um, could have held my entire high school. And I walked in, and I, get, I had no idea what could come. It could have been a group of five people, but I walk in, and I thought, I'm home. This was just for me. That was the kind of setting that I wanted at Purdue. I wanted this kind of this large group setting. And I had several of these classes where they were in large halls. I have a picture of, this is actually Lily Hall. This picture doesn't do great justice to how wide it was and big it was. She's probably, by the way, that's not my foot. <laughs> I do not paint my toenails red. Uh, different colors, but not red, no. Yeah. So. But that's the picture. It's a little different because they have projectors now. That's where the, the boards were. See, I kind of came in this way. Um, there's another picture. This is class of 50. This is just, I had some classes in here, uh, but that gives you a better idea of some of the classes, um, some of the lectures that we had. So some of the larger schools have these. And the way the structure was, was you'd have this lecture on during the week, either Monday, Wednesday, or um, Tuesday, Thursday. You'd go into a room like this, and the professor would get there and kind of um, give you all his knowledge, and you would write notes down. Um, and like I said, they're, they're large group settings. But then, outside the lecture, we had, we called them recitations. I really don't even know what that word recitation means, but that's what they called them. But recitation was a smaller class size. It was the same class, but it was a smaller size. It was more like your typical high school, middle school classroom where there are 20 to 25 students, and we would meet in a smaller, it looked like, I don't have pictures of it because it looks like a regular high school classroom. But what the recitations did was they gave you a different perspective on the same material. Um, 
Again, they were smaller, so they were led by, they call them TAs, teacher's assistants. Usually a grad student would come in. So you get a different perspective of teacher in there. Um, the smaller feel, you could ask questions in there a lot easier than if you were in a large group setting. It was also easier to meet people in there. It was hard to meet people with four, four to 500 people. You kind of get in this mindset of you just kind of go to class and you take your notes and you'd leave, whereas the smaller recitations had a little more um, intimate feel with them and you could meet people there. Let me take you back again to another. This wasn't freshman year, but I'm going to talk about one of my classes um, that had a recitation. It was my econ class. And so it was the same thing. We had, I don't remember now, I think it was Tuesday, Thursday lecture, and then a recitation on Friday. But my recitation on Friday, my smaller class, it was scheduled for 4.30 to 5.30. That was the last block that they scheduled. I know now that I'm old, it doesn't really sound that late, but when you're an undergrad student, 4.30, to, that's not what you want. You want that nice noon to one recitation where you can sleep in, go to your recitation and be done by, by one o'clock. But four to 5.30 was, and it was spring semester. So, you know, January, February, first part of March, not a big deal. But when the weather started getting warm, the last thing you wanted to do on a Friday afternoon was be in that classroom. So needless to say, I skipped the recitation quite a bit. Um, baseball team would be playing out there and I wanted to go watch the baseball game so I skipped and because I skipped you can imagine that my grade wasn't the greatest I didn't flunk the class I didn't flunk I believe I got a C um, but the point of all that is was I needed both settings I needed the large lecture on Monday and Friday and I also needed the smaller setting on Friday that recitation I needed that and so if we fast forward to today, I'm not in college anymore, but in my life, I have something that is structured or I guess can be structured the same way. And that's church. That's church. We have these large group settings. It's called church. It's where you're sitting right now. It is a, it is come to the Sunday morning service where you have a large setting, whether that large setting here is 100 to 150 or some of the larger churches can be upwards to 1,500 to 2,000. But there's a large group setting. And I need those. And I learn a lot when Pastor Clint and Rose and Lyndon, when they get up here and teach, I learn a lot from those. But I also need more than that. I need small groups. I need small groups. In these small groups, I can learn more about Christ, just like a recitation. I learn more about Christ because I get a different perspective. There's oftentimes a different teacher that teaches the whole group. Um, I make uh, more relationships in that smaller setting. So I need these smaller recitation settings. And I would argue I don't really like to argue, but I would argue that we all need both settings. We look, if we look at the early church, right? Jesus, Jesus dies on the cross, is resurrected, and then he's left, the apostles are left there to kind of start the church and, and do this church thing. Um, and a lot of it starts in Acts. And so if we look at Acts right away in, in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together together 
in one place. So that's the group chat. They're all together. We're all going to come together. Then later on in the chapter in verse 46, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Again, if you meet together, if you take you back to this, the temple courts, that's the large setting. They met together in these large settings. But then it goes on, and I underline this, it says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together. That tells me they're now, they're meeting in the temple courts, the large church, but they're also meeting outside of that. They're meeting together in people's homes. And it says they, they're breaking bread together. That comes up, that term breaking bread comes up a lot. That, to me, that represents a smaller, more intimate feel in a home. And so if we're to model the early church, if we're to do what, what Jesus wants us to do, we need the large Sunday morning church setting, and we need a small group setting. And here at Lighthouse, we do this several ways. If you've been around, you've heard Pastor Clint and other announcements talk about home groups and joining a home group. We have home groups that are that smaller group setting, eight to 14 people or so that are going to meet together in people's homes and break bread together. But, but I want to expand it outside of just home group and talk about other groups that, that are out there. Uh, the young adults, they meet in, in a small group on Friday nights together. Student ministries, they were meeting. They will start to meet up again this summer in small groups. There's a prayer team that comes and they meet in a small group to pray together on Thursday nights. Um, there are even, even some of our service teams here, they are smaller groups that they get together and they serve together, but it's this smaller group. It's something outside of right now. It's outside of Sunday morning. And I feel that it's important to get both of those, the church, the Sunday morning, and also small groups. And so today we are going to look at that. I'm go, we're going to look at a scripture um, in Hebrews 10. If you want to turn to your Bibles there, I'll get to it in a second. Um, but we're going to look at that, that scripture that tells us why we should do small groups, why we should meet in small groups. And, but I also want to tell you some of the importance and some of the, uh, the benefits, uh, more of a, um, what's the word? Not a realistic word, but... Um, more practical, that's what I was looking for, practical, a practical, what we can get out of meeting in small groups. And so today's message is entitled, Family Ties. It's a family that meets in groups together, grows in life together. And I think that's important, that last part where it grows in life together. Because when we meet in small groups, we will grow together. And again, the scripture I will use is Hebrews 10. It's verses 24 and 25. So let me read those. It says, and let us consider how we meet. Let me start over. And let us consider how may we may spur one another, one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meaning together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we're going to talk about that. Again, that tells us why we should meet in groups. And I also want to give you some practical things. But first, let me pray. And to pray today, I'm going to, this came to me this morning. I actually saw it on Facebook, but I'm actually going to read it as part of my prayer. So before I pray, let me read this. It says this in 1 Corinthians 2. It says, my message and my presence were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, 
so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So let me pray. God, that's my prayer, that we rest not on my words, but your words, your power. We need your power to come in and just speak to us for for, for the remaining part of this message, God. Teach us what you want us to know about doing community together. We just invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us individually. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's two things you can write down. The first one is this. We should consistently meet in small groups because it gives us a kickstart. It gives us a kickstart. If we look at verse 24, it says, and let us consider how we may spur. I don't know why that's coming. I, I, I want to say how we may meet together, but I don't, so let me slow down with that. And let us consider how we, meet, we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And that word that stuck out to me is spur. And so then the first thing I thought of was the physical, what my brain goes to, physical spur, right? Like a cowboy, yeehaw, cowboy, and the spur on their boot, right? And what does the spur do? They get on a horse and they take that spur and they kick it into the horse and the horse jump starts, right? It kick starts him. It's a literal kick start. Boom, let's go. Yeah, and then, and then the horse goes. So we spur one another and that's what a small group can do. It can, it can give us that little nudge that we need to go. And so again, I, I, that's the first, my brain first went to this spur, but I'm like, well, let me look at it a little bit more. So I, I looked at it in the Greek and it, it'll come up here. It's all those Greek letters. And then it's that word. And I even put it paroxysmus, paroxysmus. Christine tried to help me say it earlier and I can't, but I'll just say spur. It's easier. Four letters, way easier than that. So, but essentially what spur means is to stimulate, means to stimulate. So then I thought, okay, stimulate. And then my mind went back to high school again. And when, um, when I was in sports, we had these things. The trainer had this machine. It was called, we call it the stim machine, but it's basically a muscle stimulation machine. And what it was, it was this little device and it had batteries or they plugged in, I can't remember now. But then there was these little like, I'll call them electrodes that would come out. You know, like the little ET patches, right? They put on, I think of ET when they, Elliot, when they put the ET patches on. (laughs) Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you have never seen the movie ET, but basically these, you know, the little devices you put on the patches everywhere. Well, you'd put this, these patches on your muscles where it would hurt or was damaged. And then it would basically shoot electric to those spots and then your muscles would do these weird things, they'd spaz up and it, it felt kind of weird. You're like, does it, is this hurting or is it feeling good? Like it was weird, it was just this weird feeling. Um, but basically what had happened when they did this, when they, when they stimulate your muscle, what happened was it would allow for more blood to flow to that muscle. And if more blood is now flowing to that muscle, it is healing it faster. It's making it feel better and healing it faster. And so if we do that, if we spur one another on in small groups, we do the same thing. We can stimulate each other. We can let not blood flow more to it, but what we can do is we can meet together and we can allow the Holy Spirit 
more Holy Spirit to flow to every part of our life. And that's what we can do when we meet together in small groups. It says, meet and and spur one another on. Stimulate one another. Let the Holy Spirit come and stimulate you in your entire life. Not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. And when you guys get together, that's what it will do. When we meet in small groups, we stimulate each other. We bring the, the, the Holy Spirit. We bring more Holy Spirit into our lives. And I don't know about you, but I want more of that. I want more Holy Spirit. During that worship set, I felt the Holy Spirit. I was rejuvenated. That's a sign of Holy Spirit. If, if you got to have that, man, this is awesome. We're clapping at the end. Man, that is not the worship team. That is the Holy Spirit acting in your life. That good feel, that's Holy Spirit. And I'm getting jazzed up right now. I want more of that. And so if small groups can do that during the week, then let's do that. Let's do that. Let me kind of maybe not change gears, but let me give you, so we say, well, what's a small group and what does it do? I said, um, small group is a small group of people, a smaller group that meets together. And it can bring some very important things. So I, I, was, I, was, I was putting this together. I was just thinking, a lot of this is from my life. I've been in small groups um, for several years now. Um, back at the old church, we're part of a small group, a home group, uh, but even small groups, small service groups, um, part of leadership team groups, these small groups. And I started thinking about How do they impact me? What can they offer? What do they bring? And so um, there's five things, and there's spots for you to write these down, but let me just talk about what small groups have meant for me. The first thing is that a small group can bring intimacy. I've used that word already in this message. It can bring intimacy. There's lots of definitions of intimacy, and I was looking through, and I found this one. It's from John Bloom is the guy's name from DesiringGod.org. And it says this, it says, intimacy is what we call the experience of really knowing and being known by another person. An intimate friend is someone we feel very close to. They know us at that deep level. And so there's that intimate feel. Getting in small groups can bring You get to know somebody and somebody gets to know you on a deeper, more intimate level. Pastor Clint does a great job of knowing everybody. But it's nearly impossible, I would say, for him or for any one of us to know this entire group that meets on Sunday mornings. Because it's a packed house in here today. And there are some people that might be regulars, attenders that, that aren't even here today. We might know each other's names, but we don't know each other on that deep level. It's, it's, it's way easier in a small group to know somebody on a deeper, personal, intimate level. And that's the value of, of home group, of small group. I thought about this too, this intimacy, that word intimacy um, brings a more of a relaxed or casual feel to it. And I, and I thought about uh, the Last Supper when Jesus had the apostles in the upper room and they're doing the Last Supper. 
We've probably seen the photos, right, of the Last Supper where the, 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 the painting, somebody painted that, somebody famous, I think. But basically, they're all sitting, all 12, right, all 13, because Jesus is there, Judas was still there at the time, I can't remember. But anyway, they're all on the same side of the table, right? That's not really what happened. And really, they weren't even sitting at a table together, right? You get this picture, like this formal setting, like when you're at grandma's house and you can't put your elbows on the table, like get the elbows off the table. That's not what was happened. In Matthew 26, 20, and this also says it in the other gospels as well, but it says, um, when evening came, and it's talking about this evening, when they're eating together, the last supper, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. Reclining, So it was, it was Jewish custom to, when they sat at the table, they were in this like square or U-shape and they're literally reclining the chair. They're like laying down, kind of facing towards the table. To me, that, that image I get of that is a more intimate feel. It's not sitting down with elbows at the table, right? It's a more intimate feel. And that's what small groups are. When you're sitting there, we had a leadership meeting. Um, it's been a week and a half ago now, I guess. That really cold Wednesday that we had, right, where it was negative 40, we had a leadership meeting, um, and we actually met at our house, and it was really cold. So we're all sitting around on couches. Um, I think some people had their, we have the recliners and their feet were on it, but there was, they had, it was cold. So there were several people that had the blankets all covered up with them, right? It was a more relaxed feel. We can kick, our, literally kick our feet up, cover up with a blanket, that's the value of small group. That's the value of home group. You can relax. Boom. It's the intimacy there. You can create intimacy. The second thing that I, I believe small groups bring is accountability. Accountability. It's easier to miss church when there's 100, 150, or more, 200, 2,000, whatever it is, it's easier to miss when that as opposed to missing home group when there's only, let's say, 10 people there. They know when you're gone. Here you can miss and say, oh, nobody will know that I'm gone. So there's an accountability factor there. There's an accountability, a personal one-on-one -on -one accountability factor. Lynn Dennis in the front row that did the announcements, right? The good-looking guy up here that did the announcements. He... I've been trying to cut back on my pop intake, especially Mountain Dew. And so he's been in my home group um, in the past, and he just kind of casually, hey, how's it going with the pop? And some days or weeks are better than others, but, um, but he, he, he holds me accountable for that. He just, just mentions it and says, hey, how's it going? How's it going there? It's okay to have that accountability. In Proverbs 27.6, it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. And so he actually joked around about that, right? He talked about like, how many people like food. Oh, I can tell, right? And we laughed about it there. But, but in this setting, I don't know about you, I might struggle with food a little bit, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. In a home group, if I, if I have that accountability, if it's a friend and, and, and Lyndon, and he, he, he's, can, I'll use him because it's an example, but if he came up to me and said like, hey, you're looking a little bit unhealthy or something like that. But it, and it's joking, it's funny, but do I look unhealthy? Is my color good? But seriously, if, if he would say that, because he's been in this small group with me, we've had that intimacy together, we have that deep relationship together, I can, that, that means something different, right? I'm like, ooh, yeah, you're right. I've been eating a lot of pizza lately or whatever. That's different than, 
No offense to any of you, but if, if somebody said that to me out in the lobby, it has a different meaning to me. You know what I'm saying? And so small group, creating those relationships, it can, it can give you accountability. It can give you accountability. A third thing it can give you is caregiving. Caregiving. It's easier to give care when you're with a group of, of 8 to 12 to 14 or whatever than a larger group. It doesn't feel as overwhelming, um, but, it, but it's easier to give care. An example, um, in our last home group that we were in, there was a season with a year, I think four of us moved. I think it was four, three or four. But basically that home group then, those are the people that came and they helped us move. They helped us move. It's way easier. It's way easier for me to go say, oh, I have a relationship with that group. I'm going to go and we're going to move people. Um, babies, if people are having babies, you go and visit them. You buy them the baby gifts, right? You're not going to get that in the large church. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to downplay this setting. I love this setting, but you're not going to get that as much with the large. You need the smaller group to, to help with caregiving. Somebody gets sick or is in the hospital. You're, if you're involved in those smaller groups, you go and you give caregiving. The fourth one, the next one, noticeability. Noticeability. And by this, by noticeability, I mean it's your chance to be heard. It's your chance to be heard. Uh, I've been going to church for a while. I was on staff at an old church. And in my experience, I can say some from my experience, if I think back, 100% of the time, I think this is true. I've never been to a church service on Sunday morning or Saturday night or whenever I went to like this setting of church where we had a question and answer session afterwards or in the middle of the service like, hey, can you, can you explain caregiving a little bit more? Like, right, that doesn't happen very often in these types of settings, but it can happen in a small group setting. When we meet in home groups, when we meet in, um, even when I was on the old church, if we were on the um, maintenance team and we're out shoveling, we can have those conversations of like, hey, what did the pastor mean when, we, when he said this? Those are times you can ask that. So it's noticeability. It's your chance in a small group. It's your chance to be heard. Again, we can't necessarily do that in this setting. Then the last thing that there that... Um, I'll just touch on it briefly, is, is prayer. Small groups can offer um, not better prayer, but more of a chance for prayer. And here's what I mean by that. And I'm not going to, Pastor Clint next week will touch on prayer, family that prays together. Um, and he'll touch more on that next week. But um, you can get more, oh, specific prayer. I would, I would use the word specific from a home group setting. We have a prayer team here that meets after service. I love the prayer team. Jim and Vicki are running the prayer team. They're great. The people that are on the prayer team are wonderful people. But you might have something going on that you don't want to come up and share with that prayer team. But when you make those relationships in small group, you make that relationship in home group, you're more likely to open up and share that and get prayer for that and let God intervene for that. Does that make sense? So prayer is something that being in a small group um, can, can offer. So that's the first point. When we consistently meet in home groups, 
It will kickstart us. It will kickstart us. And then there were five things, right, that they could do. And the second one I'll touch on this briefly as well. We should consistently meet in home groups because it creates healthy habits. It creates healthy habits. Verse 25 of the scripture says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Don't stop meeting together and don't stop encouraging. Those are healthy habits. I had a healthy habit once. Just once. I had one. Um, back at the old church, I, I, for some of you that don't know, I was on staff before um, I followed Pastor Clint here. Um, I was on staff at an old church, and I got together with this group um, of guys, and we worked out in the mornings. I worked out. Kenny was one of them. Kenny's here. He's the guy with the, um, he has a llama sweater on today, a llama sweater. I'm not kidding. It's a llama sweater. But anyway, but Kenny, we would get together in the mornings. We had this season where we would get together, and we would go to the gym, and we would work out. And there was a couple other guys that were on staff at the old church, and we'd get, like I said, we'd get up early, we would do some weightlifting stuff, we would do some cardio stuff, and then they would do CPR on me and kickstart me <laughs> for the job the next day. But in all seriousness, I needed that. That was a healthy habit. And here's the thing I don't go to the gym anymore not healthy. And I wouldn't have gone to the gym to begin with if it wasn't for that small group of people. Wouldn't have gone. That small group, it can create a healthy habit. If we look at some of our other groups, whether it be home groups or a young adult group here or um, the prayer team, when they meet together, there are things they do. There's prayer that happen in these groups. There's worship that happens in these groups. There's fellowship, Christian fellowship that happens in these groups. There's reading the Bible, Bible study, Bible discussion that happens in these groups. Those are all healthy habits to have in your life. And they, and they start with a group. This must be my sign for group because I've been doing it all day. But they start with groups. When you're in a small group, you can have all these things that are healthy habits, they can, they can spur healthy habits in your life. And so to summarize, that was right, we, can, we should be in groups because it gives us a kickstart and it creates healthy habits. And so now I'm going to take you back to my econ class. So you guys remember the econ class? The recitation that I would skip on, on Friday afternoons. Again, my grade wasn't great in that class. My grade wasn't great, but it wasn't because I wasn't capable. It was because of my effort. It was because of my effort. I did not give the best effort that I could have given because I skipped an important piece of that class. And in my life, I need church on Sunday morning, but I can't skip that home group part because that doesn't make the best me that it can make. 
when we do church on Sunday mornings, and when we do small groups, home groups, getting these other ministry groups, service teams, when we do that, it makes the best me that it can make. And then that's your last point. Meeting in a small group, or meeting in small groups, makes me a better me. Makes me a better me. And so as we call the worship team up here, I just want to encourage that today. Encourage you to, to come to Sunday mornings, come to Sunday mornings, but do more than that. Get in a small group. If you're a young adult like me, if you're a young adult like me, go to young adults. I'm just kidding. I'm not a young adult. I don't qualify. I don't qualify, right? Post high school, pre-30, go to young adults. If you, if you want to pray, come to, come to Thursday night prayer meetings. If you think, well, I don't have any other skill, join a service team. And, and, and get in a small group to make me a better me, to make you a better you, to make us a better us. So I'd encourage that. Don't let Sunday mornings be the only church that you get in a week. Why don't you stand and I'll pray. So God, we thank you. We thank you for your large group. We thank you for, for wanting to be part of our lives in large group settings and in small group settings. God, that just tells us that you want to speak to us constantly. I'm going to go back to that scripture, God. Where is it at? I underlined it today because it stuck out to me today. Acts 42, it says, Every day they continue to meet together in temple courts. Every day, God, every, every second of every day, you want to be involved in our lives. And so we thank you for that, God. We thank you for that. Thank you for being part of this big church. We thank you for being part of our, of our small groups. And God, as we, as we move into this last worship set, I just pray that, that, um, that you're with them, that if you need to convict them, God, then convict them. Because you want to be with us, God, so on every second of every day, I pray for this group and myself included that we want to be with you every second of every day, God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay standing and we'll worship and then Clint will come up um, and we can have a time of prayer. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.